Hello and welcome to Night of the Time for the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who, Tortured, and of course the Sarah Jane Adventures. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the universe's greatest assassin, Doom. Yeah, wow, wow. Um, what a load <laughs> of rubbish that turned out to be, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. We will, we will. We're recording this on uh, Monday evening, uh, listeners, so the, the Monday after the, the uh, Doomsday trailer has dropped. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, all I'll say is I'm, I'm glad we chose to delay our recording by a day. Uh, yeah. You, you know that episode minute. of The Simpsons with Gabbo? It was a bit like that, wasn't it? You know, Gabo is coming. Yeah. Okay. Doomsday is coming. <laughs> do, should, do we just talk about it now? Let's just get it out of the way, Matt. Um, yeah. Look, I, uh, okay. Look, I want to say up top, I think I have seen some of Suze Kempner's uh, sketches and things, and I think she's a very funny, very talented p- performer. Um, but... This this looks shite. <laughs> mm. It's I mean, they, they Sorry, say put I, your I took best a mouthful of carrot cake there because I I, I yeah, wasn't no really worries. interested in talking about this, but um, I've seen Rob from the Cloister Bell do better CGI yeah. in his garden shed. <laughs> I, I've seen Rob yeah, insert himself into full episodes of Torchwood, and then. <laughs> This is the Doctor Who event of the year. I, it, it wasn't great. No, no, it's and it's a shame, isn't it? Because it's like, I still think that the premise has a bit of potential to it. You know, it's obviously it's trying to do what they did uh, a couple of years ago with um, uh, Time Lord Victorious, mm-hmm. and weird to think that was must have been like three years ago at this point. Wow. Um, but that to me it had it had some promise but it was really messy and the end result was kind of less than the sum of its parts somehow and I think it was just the way it was structured was a bit convoluted what I like about this the premise of it is you know each instalment whatever media it is I think is going to be like representing one hour in this 24 hour period um that makes it a little easier to follow, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't hate the premise, but the execution, I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what they do with the character. I don't like the character design, first of all. Let me be clear. Like, the, the it, costume... It looks low budget. Yeah, the, the, the costume itself, it looks like the sort of thing you'd see somebody wearing at, you know, your local regional Comic-Con. Yeah, it looks like a background character from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Suze Kempner, bless her, I mean, she's not working with a great script to begin with there for, for that little teaser, but, you know, we're meant to think that this character is the world's deadliest assassin, but... She has the bearing of a CBeebies presenter. Yeah. Let, let me just play you this. I, I hope it comes through where you can hear it. Yeah. So, um, I, I put a, a text into our Doctor Who podcast WhatsApp group 
Uh, yeah. I just said, by the way, if anyone asks, I now only refer to myself as Doom, the greatest assassin in the universe. And I'm just going to play yeah. you a voice note from Harry from the Who Can Convince You pod, because I think, I think it summed up the general feeling. So I'm going to hold my phone to the microphone. Hopefully this will play. Hold on. I was going to type this, but I couldn't be bothered. I sent Luke a message earlier on about this uh, 11 o'clock reveal thing today. And I think my message read, it's no wonder people think Doctor Who is a joke. <laughs> I yeah. think that summed up the general feeling. It does. It does. It's, it's you know, everyone was celebrating the changing of the guard with RTD uh, coming in. And I think this kind of throws into question his judgment. Mm. Like, obviously, this is not going to be something that he is particularly involved in because it's all extended universe, you know, licensee stuff. And I think, basically, Time Lord Victoria sold well enough that they're going to have another crack at it. That's what this boils down to. And it will be the same people involved creatively. Um, But still, you know... Uh, it will have had to have passed RTD's desk. He'll have had to have given it the nod. And it surprised me that he was happy with something that cheap looking going out. Yeah, yeah. Um, Especially everything else for the new series looks the business, doesn't it? Like it yeah, looks exactly. Eyebrow. They're putting a, a great deal into like resurrecting the show, really, getting it back yeah, into yeah. that pantheon of top tier television yeah and, and i and i guess it's just it's that thing of like they know they're just targeting the hardcore fandom with these things it's you know it's 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 collector bait mm-hmm. these kinds of projects and um it just comes across as a little cynical i think um but anyway well, yeah well, i'm still we're on I'm, the topic i'm yeah Shall we front load some more Doctor Who news? Yeah, all right. Uh, what do you think to the news that we're going to get a unit spin-off starring uh, Gemma Redgrave as Kate Stewart? It's going to have Gwen in it, and it's meant to have Martha Jones in it. Um, I'm up for it. I, I, mean... I think that sounds great. Yeah, I mean, well, Big Finish have already done several series of uh, unit spin-off stuff with Gemma Redgrave and Ingrid Oliver as the the two key leads from the show, plus an additional supporting cast. But it's it's almost like a no-brainer, isn't it? Like, if you're thinking Doctor Who spin-offs, you know, a sort of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.-esque unit series... Yeah, like in the if, world if, of Doctor if you Who. think about the power of the Doctor, do you yeah. think anyone really cares about the plot, or was it just all about seeing those old companions? Oh, it was it was ninety percent the latter, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, you, you, I'm excited by the idea. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ready made, as you say. You know, Martha in it, great. Um, Gwen, yeah, that the, I, I'd, I'd tolerate it, even though, I mean, f- from the evidence we've seen in Torchwood, uh, 
that woman shouldn't be allowed anywhere near any kind of uh, high-level security job. Um, but, you know, they might retool her character in uh, not-so-subtle ways. Um, obviously, I would I would be hoping for an Osgood return as well. You no. know. No, you just you, you have her in the sort of James Bond Q role. You know, beavering away in the lab. Kill her off off screen. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I'd be up for it. I mean, I like I say, Big Finish, as far as I'm concerned, have already done a, a, a very good job with that. So it's not something that I'm clamouring for, but if someone's going to offer it to me, I'm not turning it down. I'll put it that way. Uh, I, I, I think of all the prospective spin-offs... It, it's the best idea. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes it's the simplest idea, and therefore probably the best. Like that—that's what you want sometimes. So, uh, as much as I would love, say, a Paternoster Gang spin-off, that is a costly consideration because well, do, do you've you not got... feel as well as much as I love them? Do you not feel yeah. like they've not been in the show for some time? Yeah. You know, do you think maybe the ship's passed on that one? I think you could do it. I think you would probably need to reintroduce them in the show Mm -hmm. for the sake of re-establishing it. And ideally, what I would love is is if they brought Moffat back to write that show as well. Mm. Because at the end of the day, it's his creation. And I think, you know he's a dab hand with, with the sort of the, the comedic dialogue and stuff. I just feel like he'd know best what to do with them on TV. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was something they were working towards, but it just, it never quite came to fruition in, at, at the time. So I feel like now is as good a time as any. And obviously rumours are swirling that he is coming back to write something mm. uh, under RTD. Um. So who knows? Why is he like RTD's lapdog when his era was so much better? <laughs> RTD should work for Moffat. What? What's he it's got weird, over isn't it? Moffat? But people still, I still feel like we're we maybe it's maybe a sizable uh, minority, but we're still in the minority in preferring, I think, the Moffat era to the RTD one. Mm. Um, Speaking I think of people have very RTD very era. no. No, no, no pun intended. I think people have very rose-tinted glasses mm. when it comes to RTD's era. Like he had, he smashed it out of the park on more than one occasion. Absolutely, and it was hugely popular. But if you look at the actual quality of the writing, it is so variable. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but anyway, speaking of the RTD era, what did you think yeah. of uh, Lenny Henry regenerating into David Tennant? The only thing I thought watching that was, did they reuse the exact same footage? I, I think I don't but, think they did. I think they just went beat for beat. Uh, maybe. Uh, I, I, I'd have to do like a direct comparison because it's a while since I've watched that scene, the original. Um, but like to me, it was exactly as I remembered it. And I know that they shot that scene on green screen. So all of Tennant's performance is there on green screen, ready to be superimposed on anything. Um, 
yeah, that is fine. It's whatever. I, I can't remember the last time a, a sort of something was produced for comic relief that actually made me laugh. In fact, well, oh, I can I'm tell you what it you was. Said that. Because when you said you enjoyed it, I was like, um, it, like I support comic relief in principle, but yeah. as an event, I find it, you know, a bit bland. I don't really enjoy it that much. Yeah, well, the thing is, it didn't used to be bland, but but they've really... They, it, it basically is almost indistinguishable from Children in Need at this point. Because mm. it's all just celebrities and... and uh, you know, dance numbers and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Whereas, do, do you remember that I, I said I couldn't remember and then I remembered exactly the last thing that I remember seeing from Comic Relief that I thought was brilliant. Um, have you seen the Blankety Blank sketch that was done? I don't know who wrote it, but it had... You had Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. You had um, Peter well, Serafinovich playing Terry Wogan. Uh, watch it, Matt. You would enjoy it. It's a proper well, sort of all-star cast of that kind space, of generation of British comedians. Mm. Sorry, what were you saying, Matt? It, it sounds like it's just the cast of space. Yeah, it basically is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm um, still eating carrot cake. I don't know if this is being picked up by the microphone. I came home today. Don't know where it came from, but there was a carrot cake in my kitchen. Yeah, it's best not to question that. Yeah, um, I'm assuming just, my just mother sort of came round and I wasn't in and she's just left me a cake. She sometimes comes yeah. round for tea. Um, yeah. Ooh, speaking of tea, little update since last week's pod. Bought my tea. Uh-huh. Oh, how did that go? Uh, like, after I'd edited the episode... And it was just me saying, oh, I really wish I got this teapot. First thing I did was just get in my car, went and bought it. <laughs> got Strike while the iron's hot. Got some cups. I'm excited. Fantastic. Like, Have you been taking it, it for a spin this week? Well, we had a snow day off work. Um, mm. So I just came home and just pumped myself full of tea. If anything, I've Lovely. overdone it. Like, just... Tea upon tea, it's too much at the moment. <laughs> um, right. Well, you know what? We're fifteen minutes in, Matt. We've not talked. We've not mentioned uh, what story we're talking about this week. So let's briefly do that. Um, mm-hmm. It's the finale of series two of the Sarah Jane Adventures. We'll be discussing the enemy of the bane. Mm. Mm. Uh, so there we go. Little teaser I don't know for why you they listeners. didn't call it the Bane of the Bane. That just makes sense to me. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Um, but yeah. But before we get there, Matt, we've got we've got a bit of usual business to deal with, haven't we? Mm. Yeah. Bearing I'm, in I'm mind, sure we are, if I we like are against the Doctor clock Who here. First. People might think we're like a professional podcast if we do the Doctor Who bit first, and then it's like, oh, what do you have for tea? <laughs> yeah, that's true. So where where do you want to start? What are we doing first? Um, should we talk about food? Let's do it. Okay. What has been your meal of the fortnight? Well, Matt, 
I was racking my brains trying to think of a more exciting or surprising option. Uh, but when I when I went through my sort of checklist of everything I've eaten over the last couple of weeks, in my heart of hearts, I knew all along that it was going to be the meal I had last night. Uh, yesterday was Mother's Day, of course, so... Mm-hmm. You know, we did we did a few things to uh, sort of celebrate that and make it a nice day for my partner to acknowledge the fact that uh, she's uh, four years and counted on, on the old uh, mumsmanship. Um, and a fine job so, she's doing too, if you don't mind me saying. Absolutely. She's smashing it. At least one of us is. <laughs> she spends all of her time undoing all of the mistakes I make. In the raising of my son. Yeah, it's as though she's got two toddlers. (laughs) Um, But anyway, so uh, we grabbed a takeaway from the Jaipur Space. Oh, it's it's made its first appearance on Made of the Fortnight. We know where this is going, don't we, listeners? Yeah, it's week one curry all over again. Vegetable Buddha and uh, Garlic Naan. I forwent the sagaloo, uh, the uh, sag paneer even, on this occasion. Mostly for monetary reasons. Because <laughs> I'm pretty skint this month. Um, but yeah, it was delicious. Man, every time I get that boona, it's just heavenly. What about you, Matt? Um, well, can I tell you about a food nightmare? Before I tell you my meal for Fortnite. All uh, right. The the other day, I had no, basically no food in the house, and I couldn't be bothered going shopping. So I just tried to cobble together a meal from what I had in the uh, yeah in the f- cupboards, fridge, freezer. So I had some potato smileys, and uh-huh. I had half a pack of bacon. Now, what I should have done is cooked the bacon. On the George Foreman, put the potato smileys in the oven and just had bacon and potato smileys. Yeah. But because I'm a moron, I thought I had invented the best food in planet Earth when I created bacon-wrapped smileys. Oh. Now, yeah, I can see smiley, where this is going. Wrapped, wrapped in bacon... It is just a phenomenal idea. In my head, it was yeah. amazing. Now, what actually yeah. happened was, when I put it in the oven, the bacon constricted, so the potato smiley just got squished out both yeah. ends. Um, <laughs> all the grease out of the bacon went into the potato smiley. So, instead of going crispy, I just had bacon and potato slime. <laughs> It was absolutely <laughs> repugnant. It went straight into the bin. Yeah, that's that's not good. That's not good. No. So, my meal of the fortnight is today. Um, every day at work, I get school, free school dinners. Just because I do duty, yeah. so you get a free lunch. And today, the pudding was just a simple steamed syrup sponge. With custard. Oh gosh! And yes, of it course. was just it was just everything I needed at the time. It was just 
yeah. the right meal in the right place at the right time. You know, it was raining, so it gave me like a nice. Oh, warm I tell you what, the pudding. Yeah, there, there, there is just something about a a proper steam pudding. It's just like yeah, ultimate comfort food, isn't it? Now, I, I don't know for our international listeners. Is is that just a British thing, steamed puddings and custard? Yeah, I think so. Like, yeah. I, I've never seen it. The on rest any... of the world is really missing out then. Yeah, but they, like, they probably do seriously. it with like maple syrup or some crap like that. I don't know. Does Tate and Lyle's yeah. golden syrup exist in America? Well, I've no idea. It ought to though. Yeah. That stuff's like nectar from the gods. Yeah, so every day when I get my Ooh. meal... Uh, Sorry, your your, your uh, sound's just remarkably improved all of a sudden. Oh, hello. 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 <laughs> you, no, you no longer sound like uh, you're trapped in a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so e- every day at school I get the hot meal and you get the choice of either pudding or a drink. And I always get the hot pudding, and it's hit and miss. In fact, one of the best meals they did last week was minced beef cobbler. Now, speaking of foods that haven't translated, we don't really get cobbler in this country. No, not really. It's just just scones. So it was just minced beef with, like, a cheese scone. It was lovely. Yeah, because I remember Googling peach cobbler once. After mm. it was referenced in some American it's just thing, scone, isn't it? so it's basically yeah, it's just a peach crumble but with scones on top instead of a crumble topping. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I love I love a sponge pudding. Yeah, it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all right then. Um, so, do, are we still doing? Uh, that's besides the point, Matt. Y- yeah. Why not? I've got a yeah. good one this week. All right. Okay. Um, I've, I've just got a very obscure one. Uh, I'm going to refrain from, t- I, the thing is we've got quite, quite, got quite a tight deadline for recording this week. We're starting a bit later than usual. It's a Monday evening. I've got to get up early for work tomorrow. So <laughs> having to rush through it a little bit, I could spend the next 45 minutes talking about this band and the particular track I'm going to mention, but I shall do my level best to refrain. Basically, um, it's a French band called Magma, whose music is so distinctive that it basically created its own genre, known as Zool. Um, I always refer to it as basic... Zool. Zool, like the little ant computer game. No, it's spelled Z E U H L. Right, well, that's not a word, but go on. <laughs> well, no, it's not, because um, one of the main uh, things they're known for is the fact that uh, they constructed their own uh, language that they sing in. Right, um, here, we so... <laughs> here we go. That'd be right up your alley, won't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the way I tend to describe them to people is basically uh, alien jazz opera. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm sure that um, endears you to a lot of people. Yes, indeed, yeah. Um, and I've 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 been revisiting one of their live albums for a project I'm working on, um, which I will mention if or when it ever comes to fruition. Um, but yes, yeah, so I was doing another listening... podcast without me, are you? You're not finally sick of me. 
<laughs> I'll tell you about it off air. Um, but, um, so it, uh, I was listening to uh, Retrospective 1 and 2, which were their um, live albums that they put out in 1981. Uh, and uh, the, the first piece on it is, is a piece that they never actually uh, recorded as a studio um, album. Uh, so they've only ever released it in various live versions, and this was the first one that they ever released of it. It's a piece called Tursham Tack. It's 36 minutes long. That is too um, long. That's longer than an episode of Sarah Jane Adventures. <laughs> yep. Uh, and uh, in that particular... That's ten songs. That's not one song. Yeah. That's half an album. <laughs> uh, in particular, the last ten minutes of Tursham Tack is, I think some of the most celestial, mystical, otherworldly, transportive music I've ever heard in my life. And it's been a few years since I last listened to it. And uh, I, I was listening to it whilst I was doing work, and I basically just had to stop working for 10 minutes and just exist on this kind of liminal plane. Um, it, it, it's extraordinary music, not for the faint of heart, um, but if you're feeling adventurous, um, Tursham Tack from Retrospective uh, 1 and 2 uh, by Magma is my pick for this week. Wow. <laughs> Over to you, Matt. Well, in a month or so, at the end of April, when it's the bank holiday, yeah. Um, I'm going for a weekend away with a couple of my friends. We're going to Manchester for three days. It's, uh, Lovely. It's, it's Warhammer Fest, so I'm going to a three-day ah. Warhammer convention. Now, because there's three of us going, so I'm going with my friend Jimbo and enemy of the podcast, Tim Riley, is going. Yeah. Um, and we're going for three days. We've each agreed we're going to book something one evening. Right. So we each get the entertainment, and on the Saturday we're going. Turns out in Manchester, the Flaming Lips are playing. So I'm oh, going to go great. watch the Flaming Lips. So uh, I've been listening. I've really been going in on Flaming Lips this week. Um, yeah. So I'm going to say my recommendation. It, it. So it's the 20th anniversary of the album Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robots. So they're playing yeah. that in full. And ah, I cool. think most right. people would say the best song on the album is Do You Realise? But I think my favourite's the opener. I'm going to say Fight Test is my favourite right. song off that album. God, I've not listened to that in a long time, Matt. Yeah. Probably not listened it, to it for nearly 20 years. <laughs> yeah, right. it's taken you 10 years to listen to one bloody magma song. Um, uh, I mean, if you, if you fancy it, you're welcome to come watch Flaming Lips in Manchester. I've got an Airbnb. Nah, you're all right, Matt. It's. I yeah. mean, look, I don't dislike the Flaming Lips, but they're one of those bands where it's like, I listen to them and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I see what you're doing, but it doesn't like. You say that pull every me back week. In. Every week I pick something and you go, yeah, I've listened to it. It was fine. It doesn't really do anything. <laughs> Meanwhile, I've been listening to people who've invented their own language and every song's half an hour. Like, what, what do you want from me, David? All right? What, what am I supposed to do? Suppo it's not competition. <laughs> I'll tell you what, next, next week I'll let you go first and when it's my turn I'm just going to be like, oh, I've just listened to a sc screaming ostrich 
45 minutes in length. Just a YouTube <laughs> compilation. <laughs> you know, and it, it soothed my soul. It's salving the wounds. Is it is it auto-tuned? Or is it just raw, unprocessed ostrich screams? No, it's just got a jazz trum- trumpet in the background. Okay, now you've, now you've piqued my interest, man. Yeah, I, I've invented a whole new genre. It's called ostrage. Um, ostras, ostrajas. Uh, I'll work in it, but yeah, yeah. Fair oh. enough, right? <laughs> anyway, right. Um, on right, my to-do list, then. I've only got listener yes. tweets to go. Righty ho, let's get um, get it over and done with. Tick this off. We've talked about unit. We've talked about comic relief. I've talked about my teapot. We've done that. We've done that. Right, tweets. David. Tweets. Drop my phone. So, excuse me. L- listener tweets. Nothing to do with Doctor Who. <laughs> it just makes <laughs> no. It just makes the listener tweets section more enjoyable. It does, doesn't it? Right. So, the first one, David, comes from the Who Can Convince You podcast previously mentioned. Mm-hmm. And it's it's. Three questions, so we'll quick fire them if that's okay. Okay. Dimmer switches are overrated. Discuss. Are they over? I mean, I don't have any in my house, so it's been a while since I've uh, really used many. Um, are people raving about dimmer switches? Don't know. I I think they're overrated. It's... Your light should be on or off. <laughs> Look, I'm not. I'm not saying that that I think they're particularly fantastic. Um, they're fine. They do, they don't offend me. But I feel like in, for something to be overrated, that there has to be a lot of buzz being generated about them. And I I'm not a privy to this dimmer switch buzz that's being alluded to here. So I'm going to say no. I don't think they're overrated. I think okay. it's just a thing that some people have. Right. Well, the next question, David, says, are shark vacuums better than Dyson? I don't know what a shark vacuum is. Does that make me an uncultured swine? I don't know. I think mine's Goodman's. I think I bought mine from B&M, and it does the job. Right. Yeah. I don't even know what make our vacuum is. It's small and red. I can tell you that. Uh, and the final tw- question: yeah. What is David's favourite prog rock moment in a song? I openly admit I cried in Liverpool watching the keyboard solo in Cinema Show. <laughs> oh man! Um, off the top of my head, it's another keyboard solo. It's uh, Day Sinclair's Moog solo in uh, "Share It" by Hatfield of the North. I think uh, I think mine is the entire Van de Graaff Generator album, H to H-E, Who I'm the Only One. That's a great album. Uh, I just Googled prog rock. I just Googled <laughs> prog rock and that's what came though, up. Though I will, I will admit, I, I like H to H-E, Who I'm the Only One, but I much prefer God Bluff. What a stupid name for an album. Grow up. <laughs> that's what I'd say if I met the Van de Graaff Generator boys. Grow up, lads. Why don't you just pop down to Bath and just for, to seek out Peter Hamill then and tell him face to face? I'm sure he can take it. He's a great man. He, if he's on Twitter, I'm going to send him a message. 
<laughs> right, let's go for some more questions. James okay. Swifty Swift, David, says, what colour is maths? Brown. Uh, I think I said blue. Uh, make your own mind up, listeners. One of us right. is right. Yeah, there's a Twitter poll. Uh, next question from Frank. They say it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill, so if you had to pick one, what skill would you dedicate yourself to mastering? Playing the accordion. See, I decided I would master the skill of mastering skills. <laughs> 10,000 hours is too long. I just want to be able to like pick up an accordion and just do it. Yeah. You know, give me five minutes to warm up and I'd be ace. Yeah. That 10,000 hours thing is, is nonsense, by the way. How many hours have we been podcasting? Because, I mean, uh, we've got a slow curve of progress, haven't we? <laughs> I think we peaked two years ago and it's been a gradual decline since I mean, then. Say we've done... And when I say peaked, I mean peaked relative to, to, to us. I mean, we, we our peak was, I think, still well below that of an average competently made podcast. I mean... If you think we say, for example, I think we've done about two hundred and ten episodes, oh, hour God. and a half each, so that's three hundred and five. Add in some bonus episodes. Say we've done, I don't know, three hundred and twenty hours. Mm. We're nowhere near ten thousand. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there's hope for us yet, is there? Oh, Maybe if we're st- if we're still doing this twenty years from now. Discussing series thirty-seven of New Who. Oh, we're three point two percent of the way to mastering podcasts. Ah, well, good to know. Right. I think podcasts will be an extinct medium by the time we master it. Yeah. I think our podcast certainly will be. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. Next question comes from Mark yep. from the All of Time and Space podcast. He yep. says. Quantum physics and general relativity both appear to describe the universe and its components very accurately. However, they seem incompatible with each other. Which do you think offers the more compelling case? Please show your work. False. Yeah. I just sent him a a message just going, look, I teach chemistry. Physics is for nerds. (laughs) Right. Um... James Courtney asks, we all know Sean Pertwee is the best Alfred, but who is the best Batman? What is the best film? I I should recuse myself from this question, shouldn't I, Matt? Right. Well, who is the I'm best going to upset Batman? People. I'm going to say Bruce Wayne, but don't spread it round. A lot of people, he could get in a lot of trouble if people knew he was Batman. Yeah. And what is the best film? Uh, Shrek 2. <laughs> that one's pretty good. There you go. Yeah. It was close, See, but I'm, I think it just passes the first one. I'm surprised you didn't want to actually uh, get stuck into that question, Matt, being, as you are, genuinely a massive Batman fan. Right, well, we're, we're on a tight schedule, so I'll yeah. say the best Batman is Keaton and the best Batman film is either The Dark Knight or Batman 1989. Okay. 
I don't know. I didn't really like the new Batman film. It was okay. It just didn't do anything that hasn't been done before. Yeah. In fact, I quite quite like Batman and Robin, even though it's really silly. Yeah. I mean, genuinely, hand on heart, my favourite Batman film is the Lego Batman film. So... Yeah, that that is pretty great, and actually, the Adam West Batman film's pretty good as well. It's good as well, and, and that's the other thing I was going to say is Adam West is still my favourite like live action Batman. It's um, yeah, I, I see. I'm just not that keen on Batman as a character. Like, I prefer other superheroes. Right. Also, I, I'm going to put this in now. Next week or next episode, whenever when we do listener tweets. I'm putting a kibosh on superhero questions. Right. Because every week it's just like, oh, what do you think of this? Right? We're not fucking nerds. We're here for Doctor Who. Okay. <laughs> and of course, it's it's a ch- uh, made-for-children uh, spin-off. Yeah, we're grown <laughs> men. We've got, we've got better things to do with our time. Thank you very much. <laughs> On that note, quick message from Ariel says, how would you rank the MCU Disney Plus shows so far? I'd probably rank oh. them best to worst if I had to. <laughs> Very witty, Matt. Okay, I, I, I'm trying... Look, I'll, I'll rank the ones I can remember. Uh, She-Hulk was brilliant. Uh, Ms. Marvel was a really solid origin, but it got a little flabby in the middle. I feel like, uh, but great performances and overall did did the character justice. Um, didn't finish Moon Knight. So, uh, I did. It was like, all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get bound to it eventually. I'm just I just sort of got got distracted and didn't pick pick back up with it. Um, what am I forgetting? Loki. Loki, I didn't love as much as everyone else seemed to. Uh, oh, it was all right. Hawkeye, I think that might be my favourite. Hawkeye is just really solid fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to revisiting that one in a couple of years. Uh, um, Division And what Division was, I think, genuinely really great, but a little let down by the generic ending. And then you know, the last you have one... all of that metatextual fun and then it's just two people punching in the air. Um the last one and is then, What If. Uh, what If I really enjoyed, you know, because I, I like the sort of anthology nature of it. The one we've both forgotten here, I've just remembered, though, is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, yeah. Which was, I'm going to say it, shite. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be my favourite. It says a lot that it's not on the first page when I've Googled it. Yeah. Yeah, Daredevil, it's that was Netflix. Defenders, Agent no, we're not, Shield, we're not Agent. Khan. They're not yeah, MCU. We're not doing these, are we? No. Um, in fact, it's not. It's not even there. Is it weird? Yeah, it's not even. If they, listed. If they even, erased even it from your favourite, Inhumans is listed, but that wasn't on MC. <laughs> that wasn't on Disney Plus, so we'll skip that. No. Um, yeah. There we go. Right. Do, do you agree with me? She Hulk's the, the best of the bunch so far? Uh, I really liked Hawkeye. Yeah. I, I liked having a Christmas Marvel. That was nice. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. 
Oh, and if we're if we're if we're including the uh, special presentations, then uh, Werewolf by Night is up there for me. I had a great time with that one. Mm. Yeah, I liked the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas as well. Yeah, I enjoyed I enjoyed the song. I thought I don't know. I I thought they made Mantis a bit too stupid in it. Mm. I hope she's not that dumb in the uh, film. Because I feel like um, in in Guardians two, she comes across as naive, but not just yeah, not stupid, dumb, not just stupid and psychotic, which is how she came across in the uh, holiday special. But I'll forgive that because it's just a bit of fun, right? Um, Sonia yeah. says, "What's the best X Men character and why?" Uh, it's Colossus. Yeah, I <sighs> strong pick. Growing up, I loved the Beast. Yeah, I can see you as a Beast. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's it's not hard to see why maybe I identify yeah. with that character. Yeah. Birds of a feather, right? Yeah. And then Sonia's second question: Do you put a sock on then a shoe, second sock, second shoe, or both socks then shoes? I mean, both socks then shoes. Who does that? Yeah, who's hopping round in one shoe? <laughs> Apart from anything else, I keep my socks and shoes in different parts of my house. Yeah, shoes by you know, the door. Yeah, shoes by the door. Just like oh, I, I can't possibly I, I solve this conundrum. Yeah, I don't keep my sock drawer next <laughs> next to my back door. Mm. Right. Um, wow. And the final okay. question <laughs> is the most important question, David. Right. Uh, it comes from Jake from the Married to Who podcast, who just says, yeah. and this is aimed at you because I answered at the time, but he specified he wants to know on the day of release. What should okay. we have for dinner today, David? Um, a sandwich. What's he putting in it? Oh, no, that's up to him. But I think there's there's a there's a sort of transgressive joy to deciding that you're not going to have a proper meal. You're just going to make yourself a really nice sandwich. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And then just a question from me, David: Who is Bernice Summerfield? <laughs> we're we're on a tight schedule, Matt. We don't have time okay. for this. Okay. <laughs> right. We, we'll we'll next week. Our next episode, we're going to do Who is Bernice Summerfield? <laughs> okay. Well, we can we'll do tap. a bonus episode if you want. We can, we can, we can do some big finish stuff or whatever. No, we'll, we'll just tackle it in time. Don't worry. Okay. Right. Are we ready to talk about this week's episode? I think we'd better. Okay. So, Enemy of the Bane, David. What did you make of this? This was my favourite episode of Sarah Jane Adventures to date. Really? Yes. I, I don't know I if I have no a favourite. I can't, I can't put my finger on one and go, yeah, this was a lot better than the others. The, the, the thing is, I feel slightly ashamed of it because I know that it's just me being manipulated because they stuck the brig in it. Yeah... And, and final level performance as the bridge. Yeah, and it just and it just 
it, it, that kind of just circumvents my normal critical faculties. Now, I, I, I have I'm a just, question I'm about just, that when we get to yeah. it. Okay. Oh. All right. Um, but, yeah, but even beyond that, though, I think this was really, really solid. I like that it brought back established villains and it paired them up in an interesting way. I'll tell so, you this, David. Even though I knew the yeah. episode was called Enemy of the Bane, when Mrs. Wormwood appeared, I was like, "Who? who's that? <laughs> it's been so long I've forgotten who she was. Yeah, fortunately they give you a handy little montage to remind you. But, uh, um, but yeah, I thought they did interesting things with that. And I thought for the first time in a while it gave us, it gave us a different angle on Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, which was much needed, I think, because he is ostensibly the, the co-lead of this show. And unfortunately, because of the way the character is written, he is often incredibly boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I appreciated it on that level as well. I thought it was really solid. And to cap it all off, um, they throw a flipping stone circle in for the uh, for the finale. Oh. I knew and, you'd love that. I knew oh, you'd love that. I, I, I'm, I'm such an uh, easy mark for a stone circle. So, um, so there we go. That it, that that it all added up to a recipe for a really, really solid episode for me. Whether or not it's actually objectively better than any other episode of Sarah Jane Adventures. Very hard to say, but it's my personal favourite of what we've seen so far, without a shadow of a doubt. Right. Let, let's jump in then. So this let's is do it. The Enemy of the Bane. It is the sixth story, sixth and final story from season two. Yeah. Uh, it aired on the 1st and the 8th of December 2008, written by Phil Ford, directed yep. by Graham Ford. Who I, I hadn't uh, realised until I was reading the in, in the um, the latest issue of DWM, the they they did a special on uh, Sarah Jane Adventures, and I I sort of read as much as I could of it, but I mean tr- I tried to avoid spoilers, really, because mm. obviously we've got a lot way a long way to go still with that show, but Phil Ford was actually acting as showrunner. I didn't realise he was essentially the showrunner, which is why his name keeps popping up, okay. which makes sense. Is he related to Graham Ford? I think... Oh, was it not Graham Harper? Oh, it could be. I've probably this. just written Ford twice. I probably yeah. got like, locked in. I, I, I'm pretty sure I clocked it as Graham Harper. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. So the episode begins and Rani's mum... The Rani's mum, sorry, is yeah. a florist. I don't think we knew that about her. A bit of character development there. <laughs> yeah. But I guess. In... in, in the greatest example of lack of character development, her dad's just cooking again. Well, you know what? They had a packed episode. They had a lot to get through. They might. They thought, look, we've just got to get it in early doors. Yeah. We know does what that, the fans does want. Does that man ever go to work? Are these children <laughs> ever at school? <laughs> I, I'm presuming what happens in the world of Sarah Jane Adventures is most of the time the alien invasions take place... Uh, sort of around tea time on a weekday or I, at the weekend. I think I think Rani's dad needs to notify an educational welfare officer to go check the attendance of these three children. 
<laughs> Including right. his own daughter. Yeah. <laughs> so, somebody knocks yeah. on the door, and it's a client for a last-minute job. She's Ooh, wanting some yes. flowers, and she wants them quickly. Turns out, it's Mrs. Wormwood from The Bane. Yeah. And then I've just written, she kills Rani's mum in cold blood. <laughs> Seems that way for a minute, doesn't it? Yeah, it turns out she's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. I don't think. I think I'm going to uh, go on record here. I'd be very surprised if anyone's parents ever get killed in Sarah Jane Adventures. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. I think that's, that's a little strong for CBBC. <laughs> I've got a bottle of champagne in my cupboard I've had for a few years. If any yeah. parents die in Sarah Jane Adventures, we'll pop the cock. Yeah. And toast to Damn. the memory of Rani's mum. <laughs> right. After the credits, uh, Luke's in bed and he's having a Bane mare. Oh, oh he doesn't dream, Luke. but oh, he's scared of the Bane. So oh. he tells Sarah Jane all about it. And Rani turns up to tell... Oh, no, they go to Rani's house to tell... Uh, to find out that her mum has vanished. So she's missing, presumed dead at this point. Mm-hmm. Now, this is my favourite bit of this entire story. Because Sarah Jane's doing a bit of research. She's trying to find clues. And she says, oh, what, what happened? And Rani's dad... Really, really dramatically, like Shakespearean acting, just goes. Sarah Jane, there were, there were flowers all over the floor. <laughs> like he really dials it up to eleven. I didn't. I didn't really clock that in the same way you did, Matt. But I'll take your word for it. Uh, did you clock that once they knew what was happening, they immediately just went and contaminated the crime scene? <laughs> Right, oh, That's she's, a fair point. She's missing. They let themselves in. Just you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming they've just busted the locks on this florist. I think con- what what one of the unspoken uh, elements of Sarah Jane Adventures is is that Sarah Jane has uh, basically no respect for for you know normal normal channels and procedures. Yeah. It must be safe She's in Simon like, Road. Like, no one locks yeah. their doors. Sort of neighbourhood, no one locks the doors. <laughs> right. Uh, Luke obviously finds some evidence in the case, but rather than leaving it to the police, he just picks up the cheque, realises it's from Miss Worm, Wormwood, sorry. Yeah. And we get, Mr Smith, I need you. Yeah. So, he finds... That's never going to stop, is it? It's never going to stop annoying me. <laughs> so he realises the numbers on the cheque are a random code that gives them an address. Uh, Sarah Jane just takes Rani with her. Again, just endangering the lives of children. This this show is so wayward. <laughs> like He's got no it respect is. for the law. Yeah. So once they go to this address, they again just break in and find Rani's mum. It turns out that Wormwood has been watching Rani because she needs Sarah Jane's help. Genuinely, nice little twist. Didn't see it coming. Yeah. So, loads of people turn up at this point and it turns out that Wormwood is the enemy of the Bane. Yeah, there we go. It's not Luke, it's not Sarah Jane. 
Yeah. So they're all after her. So one grabs Sarah Jane and drags her down an entirely frictionless floor. <laughs> she she slides down that floor at fifty miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, uh, are, are we going to address the CGI on on the Bane? Uh, it it's no better than when we reviewed the pilot. No, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it was reused. Yeah. Yeah. Ropey um, is how I'd describe it. <laughs> Ropey. But you know what? I think it's got to the point where that kind of CGI, it's there's almost a charm to it in exactly the same way that the old rubber suits in, in, in Classic Who have a certain charm to them because yeah. it's like you can see them straining at the very limits of what the budget will, will allow. Yeah, and I mean, for CBBC, it's not terrible, is it? No, it's really not. In fact, it's probably better than the Doomsday trailer. It wouldn't surprise... I mean, that that I mean, that is literally just a woman stood in front of a green screen. <laughs> yeah. In a... I, 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 again, I will make it clear. A truly shit costume. <laughs> right. Uh, so Wormwood helps Sarah Jane because she wants to stop the Bane. Yeah. Uh, they go back to Bannerman Road where Luke sees Wormwood and it's just surprisingly fine about it all. Yeah. He's been having nightmares about her, but he just lets her in the house and just like, oh, hello. <laughs> Didn't expect to see you here. <laughs> uh, for the second time this episode, we get Mr. Smith, I need you. Yeah. And we find out that Wormwood is blamed for the failure of the Bane and the death of the Bane mother. Yeah. Okay, so this is this is where the plot of the story all comes together. Yeah. So we find out about Horath's Dark Empire. Yeah. So sure. it, it turns out that the Bane have found Horath's mind, his consciousness... His body is somewhere on Earth, and if the Bane unite them, they'll have... He's basically... At this point, they think he's an alien that's immortal and can take over the galaxy. I think I'm right. Yeah, I think so. So... Do, the is, lo- we, there's also, we also mentioned that it's like an artificial consciousness, don't... I think I, that's I'm later sure. on. Is that later on, right? Okay. Yeah, because what Horath actually is just changes to suit the plot. Yeah, <laughs> So Seems we get this way. big bad, then it's a scroll, then it's an AI, then it's this, that and the other. So yeah. the scroll is in the Black Archive. That will tell them the location of Horath's body. Okay. Yeah. So they put Wormwood in like a containment field and think they need to contact a unit. Okay. Yeah. So, this is where we see Nicholas Courtney's last appearance as the Brig. Turns out it was meant to be Martha, but she was busy. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Um, She was filming Law and Order UK, I believe. Right. Um, I mean, no no offence to Martha as a character, but I'd say getting the Brig instead is an upgrade. Now... Let, let's talk about the brig for a second. Yes, let's. Because I'm not here to cast aspersions and body shame anyone. Mm. But it, 
at this point, he's a little stout, portly fellow. <laughs> yes, he is. For sure. How, how did he fit in that Cyberman armour? <laughs> like, his eyes must have been up to its nipples. <laughs> and it must have been so tight and painful around him. Uh, we should just have to have to ponder that one privately, I think. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, we're never going to get a canonical explanation, that's for sure. So, we've got his sidekick, Major Kilburn, who at yeah. first, I've put, I thought he was enamoured by Sarah Jane and could have been like a romance for her. I mean, really? Yeah, we later find I, I out thought, that's not the case. Well, I mean, I personally, I don't know whether this is just me or, or not, but I, I thought from like the first moment he appeared on screen, he was so obviously evil. Uh, I, I maybe figured that in the second scene. I think in the first yeah. one, you know, he plays it a bit cool. Maybe. It, it felt like it was meant to be a surprise. Like, oh no, not that guy. But But like... Literally, for the first moment he was on the screen, I was like, oh, well, he's going to turn out to be a, a wrong one, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so it anyway. goes. Yeah. Um, but, so how did you feel? Did you know going in that the brig was going to be in this? Uh, I didn't, but yeah. I don't know. It was nice. I think I've only really seen him in The Five Doctors, is it? Is that um, all you've seen him in so Spearhead far? Spearhead from and, Space, is he in that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will he have yeah, been I guess... in... The demons. Yeah, he would have been in the demons. Yeah, yeah that so would have been I've your first in, like, exposure to most it. of the Pertwee that we've watched. Yeah, well, that's the thing. He is a constant presence through Pertwee's era. Yeah. Um. It, I mean, the thing is, like, by this point, popping the brig in is not. It's not. It's not as though it's unprecedented. Basically, he's a regular all through. He starts out in the latter part of um, Troughton era. Mm-hmm. He's all the way through Pertwee. Every story, almost without exception. Um, he's in a couple with Tom Baker, and he's in one with. Um, well, actually, two if you include the five Doctors. But so he pops up a couple of times in the Fifth Doctor era. Doesn't pop up in the Sixth Doctor era, but you know that's partly I think because of all the problems they had production-wise and you know all of that. And he pops up in McCoy's final series as well. So he's just this like they don't they don't weed him out all the time, but they weed him out often enough that it almost takes the shine off. After a while, I, I, but I think, still, I think you missed out there. Downtime, the director video spin-off. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, Nicholas Courtney, you know, he he was he was comfortable with um, any time someone had a decent offer for bringing the character back. He he'd he'd happily go along and give it a go. Um, and that's absolutely fine by me because I really enjoy his performance as as that character. Um, but there's something special, I think, about seeing him in the context of New Who. Mm. 
you know, because this is the one and only time we get it. I knew it was coming at some point. I didn't know it was going to be this story specifically. So it was a nice surprise for me. Would this have been in that early stage of New Who where people were unsure if it linked? Um, What year was this broadcast again? 2008. I suppose we'd have had Sarah Jane in thingy. Yeah, we'd have had Sarah Jane. I think we'd have had the um, Human Nature, that story, maybe. Yeah, we would have by that point. Mm. Um, So there would have been, like, you know, little tendrils here and there. But still, a nice thing to have. Anyway, let's, let's crack on, shall we? Right. Um, So, Luke questions Wormwood, and she tries to tell him that they're the same. You know, they're outcasts. Yeah. Um, And, I don't know, watching this on... Watching this on Mother's Day, like, Mm. the idea of maternity and what have you, it it was pretty good. Yeah, I like the whole angle of her being almost like, you know, the birth mother coming back and and suddenly wanting to stake a claim in this child that she's not had anything to do with raising. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole... That whole uh, offer that she gives Luke of basically team up with me and I will make you sort of like a galactic prince... That's a pretty substantial offer, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think if you were kids sat there watching that, you'd probably be thinking, like, what would I do in that situation mm. if someone told me I could be, like, the prince of an entire galaxy? Um, sounds like a pretty sweet gig. Yeah. And all I would have to do is go off with my evil birth mother. Um, so it always has a fairy tale quality to it, you know. Um, which I quite like. So, the brig drives Sarah Jane and Rani to Unit. uh, Yeah. Where Major Kilburn interrupts him. This is probably where I realised he was a bad guy because he questions everything the brig does. Uh, Yeah. Sarah Jane and Rani enter the Black Archive, which is very low budget compared to when we see it in Doctor Who. (laughs) Yeah, the the Black Archive here is so underwhelming. (laughs) It's just a B&Q warehouse. <laughs> yeah. uh, they find the also, scroll. Yeah, I, I, it's it's astonishing to me that Sarah Jane thought this was a good plan. It's literally, we're going to just wander into one of the most high-security buildings in the country and just help ourselves to something. And I guess assume they don't have CCTV, or if they do... It doesn't matter, we'll get away with it somehow. Yeah, let's just hope nobody's watching until the very last minute of our plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they find the scroll, uh, except by now the Bane have arrived at Sarah Jane's house. I think yeah. they pretend to be like a charity tin rattler, um, but it's the Bane. Uh, yeah. Unit spots Sarah Jane and Rani. And that causes a security breach. So they escape with the brig. Mm-hmm. And we see that Wormwood is working not just with any old Sontaran. It's Commander Carr. Ah, uh, yes. Was that the start of this series? It was, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I thought so. So, yeah, I, I like that. It's interesting pairing, I think. Plus, all series we've been like, where's the big bad? It turns out everyone's the big bad. Yeah, kind of. But, but also no one, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Episode two opens with Luke and Clyde just hosing down the bane until Wormwood mm. appears and explodes them all into custard. Mm. Uh, Sarah Jane, the Brig, and the Rani return with the scroll and all hide out in the florists. Uh, Sarah yep. Jane and Wormwood have a little argument until Carr returns, and it turns out Carr has Horath's consciousness. Yeah. So Sarah Jane gives Wormwood the scroll, and Luke stands up to her, and she asks Luke to come with her which he does to spare all the others. Yeah. Um, Major Kilburn just goes to Rani's house for some reason to question her parents. Like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Wormwood, Cart and Luke go to an industrial wasteland. <laughs> yeah, of course. But that's where the Sontaran space pod is. And they say that's really important, and it doesn't do anything for the rest of the story. Uh, yeah. They begin opening the Eye of Horath. Now, we haven't heard of that yet. That, <laughs> we haven't, no. It, I thought we were doing his brain and his body, but now it's his eye as well. And yeah. this is where we find out he's not a living thing. It's a computer AI. Mm. So Luke does the old bait and switch. He goes, oh, can I just have a quick look at that scroll, please? And then when they give him it, he just runs off. Just, yeah, just hoofs it. It's great. Uh, genuinely, one of my favourite Luke moments ever. Yeah. And in order to stop him, even though they know he's valuable and he's got the valuable tools, Carr just mm. starts blasting him with lasers. <laughs> yeah. And probably... Maybe it was set to stun. Well, 90% of this budget goes on some exploding oil barrels. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, right. So, uh, Wormwood at this point turns into a Bane. Car attempts mm. to betray her for all of about five seconds till she shuts him down. And Clyde returns to Sarah Jane's house as he says, well, I haven't met anyone from Unit, so I should be able to sneak in and it'll mm. be fine. Uh, Major Kilburn grabs him, but Clyde just overpowers him. <laughs> yeah. A man twice his size with military training. And yeah, he's not reckoned with the power of uh, scrappy teenage boys. So. Yeah. Clyde Langer. Um, whilst Clyde has Major Kilburn fearing for his life, everyone goes to talk to Mr. Smith. No, Mr. Mm -hmm. Smith, I need you. Two in the first episode, none here. Okay. So they track the location of the scroll. And mm -hmm. they deduce it's going to a stone circle. Yeah. Uh, Major I Kilburn... was delighted at this news. Uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, well, I know one little cherub who will be happy at that news. <laughs> as predicted, Major Kilburn is a bane. So the brig mm -hmm. just shoots him dead. Yes. Great. Loved it. He's a unit ambassador. He's here to broker peace with other worlds. <laughs> But he has his limits, Matt. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> and genuinely, I, I, have we glossed over the bit where he's like just just holding him on the sofa with that cane? Yeah, to his throat as well. I genuinely, I the glint in Nicholas Courtney's eye in that scene. He he not lost it, you know. Like. We haven't really mentioned it, but he's having a whale of a time, isn't he? He is. He clearly is. And it is so infectious. And, mm. you know, I the thing I think that is really special about... OK, I'm going to get sort of political for a moment and, and I don't want to... I don't want to be too sweeping. But to me, fundamentally, I feel like... Doctor Who is somewhat lefty in its leanings, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a fairly touchy-feely, let's find a way to all get along. Um, humanity is at its best when it's helping each other. Th- that kind of thing, you know. It has a lot of that in its DNA. So I find it interesting that one of its most beloved and compelling characters is a proper old-school queen and country Tory military man type. But I think the reason it works is because you never doubt for a second the Brigadier's honour and integrity. You know that it's coming from a genuine place, not just of wanting to preserve the status quo, but of genuinely wanting to protect everyone and using the resources available to to do that. Um, and it's that kind of old school Toryism, which I think has very much been lost <laughs> over the last few decades you know, the, the, the sort of post-Thatcherite neoliberal version of Toryism where there's the the honour is gone. Mm-hmm. It's not just about it's not just about Queen and Country or I guess King and Country anymore, but it it's you know, it's got a little it's a little perverted from that. So it I'm almost kind of like nostalgic for this kind of old school British establishment. Yeah. God save so the it... king, David. <laughs> no, fuck him. Fuck the lot of them. Oh, wow. Uh... Anyway, it turns out the stone circle is a force field for off world. Yeah. It's only a human can pass. Mm-hmm. So Luke goes and places the scroll on a stone tablet. And yeah. It beams loads of light, which opens a portal to Horath. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Jane arrives just as the portal opens, and Luke refuses to join Wormwood. Terrified at the thought that, you know, he'd failed in his mission and he too was a failure, Carr knocks Wormwood and himself into the portal which immediately closes behind them because Sarah Jane Sonic lipsticks the scroll away. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that uh, the Sonic lipstick got destroyed earlier in this episode. I did it. 
because yeah, it, well, the thing is, it's yeah, well, that's the thing. It got destroyed, and I was like punching the air. I was like, "Great, they finally realised that it was a crutch, and we don't need it. And the show will be better without it." And then, literally, the next episode, he's like, "Oh, you think I would just have one? Where did she get them from, Matt?" I don't know. They I grow like on flipping trees. Wormwood has her like magic ring, and they're like, "Ooh, <laughs> Battle of the Jewelry Box." Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Right, and then I've just put my closing statement. Sarah Jane goes a bit weird, and the brig says goodbye. <laughs> like Sarah Jane's just like the universe is marvelous and opens her arms. None of the kids yeah. join in. Imagine if you saw someone doing that. It's it's practically a fourth wall break, isn't it? Yeah. And it is, again, just another little example of when I think this show tries too hard to make Sarah Jane into the Doctor. Yeah. She needs to grow Um, up. Get some adult (laughs) friends. Focus on your career. That'd be my advice. I think that that ship's well and truly sailed for Sarah Jane at this point. There is no acknowledgement of her doing any journalistic work ever at this point. You know, I'm not a doctor, but that woman is quite clearly mentally ill. Like, where where is her income coming from? Uh, She's a journalist. She never goes to the office. She's just in her house that she probably broke into and claimed squatters' rights because she seems to do that everywhere else. Hanging yeah. around with kids all the time, telling them they don't have to go to school. You know, she kidnapped her yeah. lad and went, oh, you're my son. She called that other girl, you... you know, the daughter she never had. She's a weirdo. If you... Yeah, if you injected 10% more reality into this show, it would be a much darker proposition, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's she going to fight in Series 3? Social services. <laughs> well we'll have to find right. out won't we got a little wait to get there but um yeah but overall i've enjoyed this series i've been i've had a good time with sarah jane adventure series two. i think it's it, it definitely feels a lot more confident this time around it, it's fine it hasn't yeah. been terrible it hasn't been great it's been watchable yeah and i don't know has. if that's a reaction to watching torchwood I mean, anything would feel watchable compared to Torchwood. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, right then, Matt. We 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 need to decide what we're doing next week. We really do. So, because we still haven't at the moment. I put forward an idea. You've put forward an idea. Which one are we doing first? Uh, I think next week we'll do first Doctor. Okay. Um, So we need to know which first Doctor story we're going to watch. Right, well, I put it out to a poll, David. Yeah, because I was vacillating between two options, listeners. Basically, part of me wanted to look at uh, the Celestial Toymaker because rumours abound that he will be featuring in the 60th anniversary story. Um, But the downside of that is that three quarters of it are missing. Mm -hmm. Um. And so we would, it would be a lot of telesnaps. And the other thing was, I feel like it is high time Matt watches uh, the first ever Dalek story. 
we get a bit of old school Dalek action because we've we've done a lot of classic Who, but we've not done many classic Dalek stories, have we? No, no. Have we done Genesis yet? Uh, no, the only one we've done, I believe, is that McCoy one. Wow. Yeah, we really need to 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 address that. So, so uh, those were the two ways we could go with it. So, if we look, David, there were yeah. eight votes. Okay. Uh, we got a couple of comments. Uh, the first yeah. one was from your friend of mine, Rod Henderson. Yeah. Who says... Hi, Rod. I think you'd hate Daleks the least. Now, <laughs> I, I, I trust Rod's judgment. He's one of our mm-hmm. listeners who, whatever he says, tends to be kind of in line with what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we had BT Flibbity Giggard. Do you want to say hello, greetings curator? Greetings curator. Shall I put the song in? We haven't put that in an episode for a while. <laughs> As a bonus. Go on. And a one, and a two, and a one, two, three. Greetings curator. How do you do? Please tell us your thoughts about this episode of Doctor Who. Right. BT says, Damn, I was hoping that the Romans or the Censorites would be an option. Anyways, watch Daleks. Well, you get what you're fucking given, BT, all right? <laughs> all right Romans would a... be good. I, I would be interested in your reaction to the Romans, it must be said. Right, well, you can wait another bloody three years or whatever till we get round to the first <laughs> Doctor again. Yeah. We've got a lot to watch between now and then. What are we doing next week then, Matt? Right, so, in second place, with 38% of the votes, is the Celestial Toymaker. So, David, we will be watching the Daleks. Great. You get to watch moving images next week. Exactly. What a treat. I mean, you haven't checked the Twitter, so I might have just made that up. Yeah, that's true. I'm not watching telly snaps. (laughs) So. <laughs> not this time maybe one day um, but anyway yes yeah, so that's what we're going to be doing we're watching the Daleks next week that's exciting looking forward to that well I say next week next fortnight um, and then beyond that listeners if you want to start getting uh, uh, doing the prep work now um, Matt has suggested it's high time we finally got around to doing um, Doctor Who Redacted Um are we just going to do one episode on the whole lot, Matt? Yeah, I think so. I think if we go yeah. beat for beat, you know, I, I don't know how long every episode is, but say 45 minutes, that's too much. Yeah, yeah. So, so we'll, we'll probably just knock out the whole story. Plus, if yeah, we're telling just people talk about two episodes in advance, you've got a month to listen to it. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to both of those. But uh, until then, as always, thank you ever so much for listening. And until next time, cheerio. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.